What's up, guys? It's the Blue Bloods here coming at y'all with another episode in our SEC in 30 days. Well, we got like three left, and this is one of them, and we're finally at the LSU Tigers. I knew y'all knew we weren't going to leave LSU on the table. Brandon would have quit the podcast before we didn't do an LSU episode, but we're joined by LSU Football Insider, host of the RU Serious podcast, the AYS podcast on YouTube, all podcast streamer platforms. Blake Ruffino is joining us today, and I just want to say, man, I can't believe you're on the show, and I appreciate it. Thanks, man. I appreciate you, Zach, for having me on, and uh, looking forward to having a good time. Absolutely. So before we get into the good stuff, we got to start out with some of the bad. Um, you know, the 2020 season was probably – I think LSU had the most up-and-down year of any team in the country. You get the lows of the Mississippi State the Mississippi State game. You get the lows of the Auburn game. But you also get the highs of the Florida game, the Ole Miss game at the end of the season for right. you. I usually ask if the season met expectations, but I know the answer to that. So for you, what went wrong for the 2020 LSU Tigers? Uh, well, look, Zach, just for me personally, I, I feel as if that um, – and I hate the what-if game, right? Like it is actually a sports pet peeve of mine. I, I – you know, everybody says, well, what if this would have happened? What if that would have happened? Well, we don't live in fantasy land. We don't live in candy land. This isn't Candy Crush. Okay, this is reality. And so I look at 2020 season, and I, but I do think, and I do think to myself, what would have happened if COVID was, if it wasn't a COVID season? But it was. And look, Ed's got a lot of questions around him right now. And a lot of people, I know that you're an Auburn fan, have, have put two and two uh, and aligned him with Gene Chizik. Well, here's the thing about that. He's still a national championship winning head coach. So, so is Gene Chizik. So they were able to go out and get guys and win a two, and win a national championship in, in respected years. Now, I do think that LSU had a lot of off the field stuff. You know, a, a lot of stuff with, and I can't. I'm not going to go into great detail here, but politics and stuff all outside of. Um, I don't want to say of their control because it was some of it was of their control, but. You know, look, you, you, you get up above that mountaintop and then all of a sudden you don't know how to stay there. You know, as kids, we played king of the mountain. And when you're the king of the mountain and you got the guy that's normally up there and he ain't up there no more, he gets a little pissed off. So then he comes back up there and wants to fight. And we saw what happened. Now, I think that LSU, in my personal opinion, has something really interesting rolling with them. They got a lot of talent. And we've seen that in the recruits and the recruiting classes. We saw that at the end of the season, knocking off Florida and being able to go blow for blow in a really bad defense uh, against Ole Miss. So I I think that LSU, with the talent, also brings experience. Zach, LSU has 33 guys that have had an SEC start, whether it be with LSU or at another school and they transferred in. Mike Jones, who? Mike Jones from Clemson transfers in. And what's crazy about that is Mel Kuyper and Tom McShay and all these draft gurus, Mike Dettelier as well, he says that they have him as a, a late first-round pick, early second-round pick, which is crazy, though, because you have a guy that leaves Clemson, doesn't get playing time, and then he's still a second-round pick or projected to be. But he comes in, and we'll see what all, all this talent and experience uh, uh, gives them. They they return both lines of scrimmage, and I really think that that's the key to LSU's success going into the season. So where I'm not going to take a whole lot out of 2020, regardless of what the team is, because I want to see what what it's like to get back to reality. And LSU ha- has the chance to get back to the 9-10 wins, and I, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do from there going on. 
Absolutely. I mean, th- this was probably one of the bigger surprises for me. I mean, I, I didn't have them winning the SEC, but I didn't have them going five and five and losing to Mississippi State. I lost a big bet week one on you guys to say I bet the house on you guys to my friend who picked Mississippi State. Still upset about that. But one of the one of the keys last year was the defense. Everyone keeps calling it the worst defense in LSU history. Bo Pelini took all the fall. I mean, every LSU fan I've talked to said it was all Bo Pelini. That's it. For you, watching this team, covering this team, was it more Bo Pelini's scheme compared to what Dave Aranda left over, or was it execution? What was it about this defense that just didn't click? Yeah, so I'm in the minority. I mean, you can't blame everything on Bo Pelini. Okay, when guys are getting confused in man-to-man coverage and you're in a zero coverage, I mean, with all due respect, how do you get confused in that? I mean, look, I played football collegially for a long time, and I could tell you, you you got one, two, three, four, five, six, and, and six could be, you know, depending on what you want to do with six, meaning six can be a key for a tackle, whatever, and read the key on the tackle. So if you got five reads that you have to go on, I mean, how are you getting confused on that? This guy's got this guy, you know, it, it, so I don't know how they were getting confused, and I think communication was a big thing there. Stats can be deceiving, although some people, some LSU fans – disagree on this and and stats can be deceiving sometimes at the end of the season this team in the last three games had nine interceptions five in one game against Ole Miss so I I start to ask myself the question well they got a crap ton of turnovers but then even in the Mississippi State game they got two interceptions LSU can't score when you can't capitalize on turning the ball over and get six you're gonna get your ass beat that's just the bottom line, and not because I, you know, I know Stone Cold would say because I said so, but not because I said so. Look at the games. If you don't score six when you get a turnover, you get beat. So, although Bo Pelini was hard headed in his decision making, I don't think new defensive coordinator Durante Jones will be. We even saw in the spring game a, a very talented quarterback in Garrett Nussmeyer comes in. They show man at the la- at the snap, boom! They bust they bust out into zone. He throws in an interception. I think the Ronte Jones hire is very underrated. It's going to be interesting to watch. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to completely blame Bo Pelini because you know what? He's not getting beaten man to man coverage. But I do think that he was, you know, he cashed it in maybe halfway through the season, especially after Auburn. But here's an interesting thing those kids kept playing, didn't they? And they kept beating uh, teams like Florida. You got a guy, and I'm, I'm the CEO and, and president of this kid's fan club, and that's Jay Ward who moves from corner to safety. Look, he's running stride for stride with guys like Kadarius Tony, who quite possibly was the fastest kid and the fastest guy in the draft last season. And all he did when he was lined up in Kadarius Tony is Trask went 0 for 6 and couldn't get a pass off on him. Oh, by the way, he's got an interception. So LSU on the back end, I think they'll get a lot better because they bring – LSU did something stupid, in my opinion. They separated the safeties and, and, and corners – into two different rooms. I, I never understood why Dave Aranda did that, but it did work for Aranda. It worked for a, a while with Aranda, and you had guys like Grant Delpit and others, but as it continued to go on, miscommunication continued to happen, and I really do think that it, it brought itself to a head in 2020. And look, I think that a lot of people say, you know, well, the offseason, you know, you don't, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Well, Ask LSU if the offseason means a lot in communication. Zoom meetings mean nothing. 
being able to put on the helmet and the pads, going out there and practice. That's why practice, you know, the old saying, as your grandmammy would tell you, practice makes perfect. And LSU show when you don't have that practice, it can really come back and bite you on the backside. Absolutely. I mean, anyone who's discrediting an entire summer of doing nothing with your teammates an entire <laughs> fall is really out of touch with college football in general. But to the good stuff, though, there is a quarterback battle raging in Baton Rouge. A lot of people, if I would have told you last August that there's a chance Miles Brennan wouldn't be the starter, everyone probably would have looked at you a little crazy. But Miles Brennan, Max Johnson battling it out. TJ Finley just left for Auburn as he was kind of the third man out. I've been super vocal on this podcast that, as as crazy as it may sound, I think Max Johnson is a better quarterback. I think he's closer to Joe Burrow than Miles Brennan. My co-host, who's an LSU fan, disagrees with me, but there's there's a lot of support for either one. For you, though, just in your opinion, what do each of these guys bring to the table that's unique, and who is your favorite for QB1 this upcoming season? Look, so I've been very vocal, too, on this. there's three letters. It's called RPO. And Max Johnson, and I explained this, so I'm going to give the plug at the end, and we did a deep dive and ex- explanation of the RPO game, and especially as a former O-lineman, what it looks like for them, uh, and you can go check that out. But because uh, I'm not going to bore your listeners and, and the people watching on that, but Look, RPO game is something that Jake Peach is going to run, okay? Now, Joe Brady and LSU did it a little bit in 2019. They were successful with it. But, look, Jake Peach was on this or on that staff with Lane Kiff and Steve Sarkeesian. We saw a couple of Alabama plays that they ran out there in the spring game. You know, the, the old Steve Sarkeesian play where a, a wide receiver like Jalen Waddle comes back into the backfield and sprints out. They fake it, and then they have – a, a wide the slot wide receiver going across the middle like they have Devontae Smith. Shout out Devontae Smith, good kid. My mom taught him in high or junior high. Uh, but he goes screaming across the middle, and you hit it wide open. LSU scored on that. Um, look, nobody respected Mississippi State showed you nobody respects uh, Miles Brennan running the football. Just a very quick analogy. I mean, look, the defensive end has no idea. The defensive end that you read on RPO has absolutely no idea what the outside receivers are doing. He has no idea if they're running a slant, if they're blocking, what they're doing. Neither does really the linebacker at times when you have a mobile quarterback. So if the DN's going to crash down, what do you do at that point? So I I think that he gives you a bigger ability, uh, and you don't really know what to do. Florida did not have an answer for that, and that's why they, in my opinion, I don't care that uh, Marco Wilson threw the shoe. I don't care about that because one play at the end of the day in a 60-minute game, yeah, it might win or lose you a game, but where, what happened to the other 59 minutes? Okay, Max Johnson showed himself and was able to push and be able to win, and guys love him. Look, he's winning that locker room, and I think that he's separate. Actually, I don't think. I know that he's separating himself from being the guy that the team is rallying around in that locker room. Um, people have called me a Miles Brennan hater and a Miles Brennan um, – I, I, and I don't, Zach. I really don't hate um, Miles Brennan. He does have a big arm. He does have he, – he is a guy that's really – I would, and it's crazy because I don't want to say experienced because he doesn't have uh, more starts – well, maybe a, one more start more than Max Johnson, which is crazy in and of itself. Um, where I think Max separates himself is that I think the durability factor plays a big deal. In four years that we've seen Miles Brennan play, he's never not been – that's too negative. So he's – 
He's always been injured. How about that? He's always been injured. In 2018 against Alabama, uh, it was the big game because LSU finally has a quarterback. Well, LSU doesn't run Joe Burrow at all because they only had two scholarship quarterbacks, and Miles Brennan's hurt. Nobody knew about it until the end of the season. Oh, by the way, so was Joe Burrow with a dislocated shoulder, but he had the nads to run his happy ass out there, and that's when the team really rallied. That's why LSU won a national title in 2019. When they saw Joe Burrow run his butt out there with a dislocated shoulder and go out there and do everything he could, and then the U- Ex- uh, Texas A&M game when he's got to get an IV, and then UCF when he he gets his chin busted on the bag on the bad uh, blindside call that they didn't even you know which was ridiculous. Okay, that's where he won the team. Miles Brennan does not show that at least not yet. Now, do I think that he has the ability? to really throw the ball and, and and do some things yes but they I, i'm saving this for my i was saving this for my show monday but i'm going to give it to you here LSU and Ed Orgeron hired an offense an offensive scheme to fit Max Johnson not Miles Brennan so that should tell you where they think that they're going um I, i'm going to give a couple positives now because it looks like i'm beating up on Miles um <laughs> strong arm intelligent kid if he wanted to he could be he could be a really good quarterback I don't know if he wants to uh, he's got the tools he's got the talent but can he put everything together can he stay healthy he's put on some pounds look man he's a Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end so we'll, look <laughs> we'll, we'll see we'll see if he's able to push Max and look there's some people who believe that if he's not the starter that he stays I don't believe that but you know, it's, it's going to be very interesting because I don't think that he beats out Max at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I just the, the best way I'll put it on our show is uh, I, I just feel like Max has that it factor. You can't teach it. You can't really put your finger on it. But watching that Florida game, I, I, I'm just here to say if, if Miles Brennan starts that Florida game, I don't think LSU wins that game. I don't think they have a chance to win that game. Yeah, and, and they probably don't. And look, you can even – and like I said, I, I don't like the what-if game, but a lot of people uh, talk about the Texas A&M game where LSU holds A&M the way that they did and couldn't score anything on offense until Max Johnson gets in there. What happens? I mean, because Texas A&M, that was the game that I think that – which is crazy uh, is Kellen Mond doesn't go above 50% in completion percentage. People were bashing Bo Pelini, and I'm saying, guys – you didn't score a point, and you held an SEC team, the second team in the SEC West, to 20 points. I mean, th- th- this team was progressing. I just think that people just didn't give maybe this a little bit uh, enough time, but I'm glad that we got Durante Jones. Um, look, I, I don't want to play the what-if game. I think the what-if game is going to play itself out now, right? Like, you're going to play the game now and see what happens. And and you got everybody returning, which is really scary for people uh, that, I, that I talk to. Look, an SEC coach told me a couple days ago that, he, look, he's more scared of LSU now than he ever was going after 2019 because he sees everybody that's returning, which is a really interesting comment. Uh, and, and I like to see that. It's going to be a very interesting season. Absolutely, and not even just everyone returning. This is where I want to shift to next. This recruiting class that LSU bring it, is bringing in is star-studded, man. The top three class in the country, five stars, Mason Smith, Sage Ryan, both on the defensive side of the ball coming in. Out yep. of the state of Louisiana, Coach O finally was building that wall around the state of Louisiana. 
What were the biggest positional needs for the Tigers this class, and who are some guys that you have your eyes on to make an instant impact? Yeah, linebacker number one, uh, and I'm going to co- kind of cop out on you here, Zach, and, and talk about two guys in the transfer portal. Because, look, for me, when you talk about a day one starter, especially as a freshman, you better be damn special. You better be number one pick in the draft special. Trevor Lawrence, and I, although I think <laughs> I've said that I think he could bust, but that's ne- neither here nor there. But you better be that kind of special, right? Like you better have that that prestige about you. So I don't know if Mason Smith starts game one. There's a great chance he doesn't. Uh, Sage Ryan is a little different uh, because of the need, probably at safety, but I don't even know if he starts. Uh, I'm going to go Mike Jones again. Who? Mike Jones. And look, Bug Strong, the number one JUCO linebacker, or number one JUCO linebacker in this past recruiting class, reminds me of a smaller Devin White. This kid can run. This kid can hit. This kid can cover. That kid's scary now. Now, I've seen some, you know, we've seen some film on him uh, in the spring. He didn't play the spring game, and I think they did that on purpose. Um, linebacker was, to me, the biggest need that this, this defense needed, um, maybe outside of safety, but they go and get two guys that can really play. Mike Jones had the interception in the playoff game uh, against Ohio State when they got beat. So those are two guys that I think that you can plug in in this recruiting class right now and play uh, from a freshman standpoint, yeah, I think Mason Smith can play and ro- and rotate. I don't know if he dominates so much to become a starter. Look, it's really tough on the line of scrimmage to be a day one starter. Can he do it? Sure. Does he have the ability? Absolutely. But I think that that's going to be very tough um, for that. I'm going to give you one that I think that no one's really talking about, and a guy that I think is going to get a lot of playing time is Jack Besh out of St. Thomas More. Um a guy that's going to be an H-back, he's already running with the ones. Um, you can see pictures with him on Instagram and, and Twitter. He's running plays with Max Johnson. He's with Ty Davis-Price. He's with the offensive line. He was very under-recruited. I think it's because he didn't get a lot of offers until late. He committed to Vandy. LSU, so you're like, you know what? I mean, this kid's just killing everybody. They offer within 12 hours the kid who wanted to always go to LSU. He comes in. A lot of buzz around Jack Besh, but he hasn't put on those pads yet. He hasn't been in an LSU practice. Summer workouts are one thing, but when them pads are on, it's something completely else. So I think Jack Besh is somebody that if you know because he's already running with the ones, I think that you can make an interesting bet that he might he might get some playing time right off the bat. Right, so I mean, we have these freshmen, we have these transfer portal guys. LSU had a lot of people leave for the draft uh, as well, and just a lot of departures over the last two years. I mean, from the 19 team and 20 team, who are some people that have been on the roster that people might not have heard of yet? Like, who do you have your eyes on as potential returning breakout players for LSU this year? You know, that's interesting. They have had a lot. I think they've had um, 24 players drafted, I think it is, in the last two seasons. Which is which ties a record, believe it or not, with that team out in Alabama. You know the Crimson team. You know the say. You know the 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 team that lost to ULM in two thousand and se- uh, was it two thousand seven? Yeah, I think it was two thousand seven. Yeah. So, um, you know that's interesting because you do have a lot of guys returning, even though you got twenty. Look, thirty three guys have starts, and so that's what that's to me the interesting thing about this. Um, I, 
that's a tough one because I look around LSU and I, I could say I could see a couple guys, but the problem is is that I think that they've had a lot of guys that shown up. I, I, I'm going to say Jay Ward again, again the CEO and president of that kids. Look, he played a lot, and LSU fans know him, but I don't know if he's known on a national level yet. That I think that he can make it. Uh, another DB is Dwight McGlutherin. Uh The way that that kid played this spring was absolutely locked down. Um, look, he was locking down Kayshawn Booty, and everybody was kind of like, "Man, what, what, what are we watching?" Um, so he would be interesting. I'm really looking forward to one of those one of these wide receivers, right? You got Kayshawn Booty. You have some other guys that have been there: Trey Palmer, Coy Moore. Who's going to be that second and third guy that stands out? Now we all went into the 2019 season. There's a lot of talented guys. You know, Jamar Chase struggled as a freshman, like really struggled, especially with drops. I, I think he led the team, and I, I, I'm almost confident with not the stats in front of me that he led the SEC or was close to leading the SEC in drops, which is crazy. And then he turns it around. Look what he did in 20, 2019. Um, they got a lot of talent there. Can they get their playmakers the ball in space? Trey Palmer is a guy that I've known really well. My cousin coached him at Kentwood, uh, baseball three-sport guy. If he can find a way to be able to catch the football and hold on to it, we saw what he could do in the kick return game. He took one to the house. We saw what he did when you got him the ball in the flat and Alabama's trying to run him down and they can't. Now, that's scary, right? Like, that's scary when you're separating yourself from speed-wise against a team like Alabama. Uh, I really am hoping for that kid that he starts to separate himself because he's got the speed, he's got the talent. Can he catch the football? You know, I, I made a joke with a couple of his family members. Uh, I forget the guy's name, but he's off the replacements. Um, I, he can't. They have to put the sticky stuff on his hands. Uh, God, his name's slipping my uh, slipping my name or his name's slipping my head. But he reminds me of that. Like, hey, Trey, put some sticky stuff on your hands, and you can catch the ball, and you be fine. Uh, but regardless, I think Trey Palmer is a guy that I hope that could be a sleeper that can that can emerge. Right. I mean, I know there's a lot of people talking about Eli Ricks being a breakout, but for me, I don't think that's a breakout because I feel like he broke out last. I mean, that kid was a baller. But I kind of want to get to this question. This was a topic. I think we had a comment on one of our videos about this. Clifford Franklin. I'm sorry, Clifford Franklin. That was going to bug me. Yeah, Clifford Franklin. All right, my bad. That continue. Yeah. No, you're good. So, I mean, we got a comment that said last year a lot of people thought Derek Stanley got exposed at times. There, like I, w- I went back and watched your post game. You said Seth Williams exposed him. There's some talk that Devontae Smith did at times. You um, have Eli Ricks a lot. Yeah, continue, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you have Stingley. You have Eli Ricks. There's a lot of talk that Stingley was going to be the first pick in the draft. All that. What what do you think – what are your expectations for Stingley and Ricks? And there was rumors that he was hurt last year, that um, he wasn't into it. What went wrong with Stingley last year? And do you think him and Ricks are going to combine to be the best DB combo in the country next year? Yeah, well, first off, I think that they are the best DB combo in the country. Uh, I think that Stingley did have that sophomore slump, right? I, I think that the, ta- the talent's there. Um Look, he was battling some injuries last year. Remember, he was out for the Mississippi State game, had to go to the hospital, wind up being okay. I mean, it was a really scary moment there, but thank God he was fine. He comes back, and, and something that's interesting, didn't play the Vandy game a lot, comes back, and then he goes against Missouri and starts locking guys down. And then the stupid uh, the stupid referee with the, um, with the first down marker, instead of running back and holding it, he drops it, and then uh, Derek Stingley rolls his ankle on the damn – first down marker, you know, like 
you Rudy Poo. Like, get out of the way. <laughs> you know, like, and, and I've, that's been one of my biggest complaints. Hey, guy that's sixty-seven who can't run, don't put him. Don't put him that close to the sideline. Don't do it. Don't bring my fat ass out there either and let me hold it with these gargantuan athletes with that kind of speed that's going to be running towards me and I can't get out of the way. Sorry, that's a, that's just a pet peeve. <laughs> I don't know what my pet, why my pet peeves are coming up today, Zach, but I think that he was just a little nicked up. He played better at the end of the season. He was out. And that got guys like Jay Ward to, to go out there and have pick sixes and, and Dwight McLaughlin, who did really well. I think that he's going to be fine. He's got the talent. Look, he didn't get worse. Okay, I'm going to tell. He didn't get worse. I, I, I was really interested to see that. You know, he didn't s- step up to the Devontae Smith. But look, you can tell when he's limping. You know, he's limping in pregame, and but he tried to tough it out, and he probably shouldn't have played that game. But he wanted to go out there and look. Devontae Smith won both battles, and so I know that those guys are going to probably see see each other in the future in the NFL. And I'm going to really be really interested to see what he does uh, in that matchup. Eli Ricks, he was out this past spring with a couple of injuries, a shoulder being the main one. He's going to be fine. He's going to be back. And look, he, you know, what's funny is that who are you going to throw it at? Are you seeing that this is the interesting part? Are you going to throw it at Elias Ricks, who had the interceptions and the pick sixes that he had last year? Or are you going to dare Derek Stingley? You know, so a healthy Derek Stingley, a locked in Derek Stingley. We'll see, but I, I really think that LSU will be fine there. I'm not worried about Stingley at all. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's always sophomore slumps, man. I mean, you can't you can't expect a kid to play perfect every single game. Even Trevor Lawrence at the beginning of I think it was last year, 2019, people were like, "Did he fall off?" Because he had more picks and interceptions, and it was a whole thing, and he ended up being fine. But all this has led to this. I mean, looking at the 2021 schedule. It's life in the SEC is tough. Let's just be honest. I mean, road games, UCLA for non-conference is a tough one. Ole Miss, Alabama. You also have Texas A&M, Florida, Auburn. It's it's just a brutal schedule, to be honest. For you right now as we're recording in June, what is the ceiling and or floor for the 2021 LSU Tigers? I think the ceiling is winning the SEC West. I mean, I, I fully believe that they got the talent and the experience to do it. Um, the, the bottom floor, the absolute bottom floor is going to be probably eight and four. I don't see this team doing that though. I think that they can get to nine to 10 wins. I can see them somewhere in the middle. Um, because I think that they go out, they beat UCLA, they beat McNeese, they beat central Michigan. That, that Mississippi state game is going to be a revenge game. Those kids are pissed off. So when you get to the first five, six games of the season, I think that, you know, look, Auburn's going to be a revenge game. Look, this is a revenge tour that LSU's going to be on. The games that start, that really start, I, I look at, I don't want to call them trap games, but you look at Kentucky. LSU never plays good in Kentucky. Never play good at Kroger. Um, we remember 2007 when the national championship team went up there and lost in three overtimes. Um, I, I think that that could be a really tough game. Because these kids don't remember that. Florida, you know, I think takes a step back, so that game doesn't really scare me as much. Look, as much as everybody talks about, oh, well, you know, it's every year, Zach, it's this. Oh, Blake, you better watch out for Florida. You better watch out for that Florida game. LSU has won nine of the last 11, uh, or was it eight of the last 11? It's either eight or nine of the last 11 matchups that they've had with Florida. Look, they dominated them. So I'm kind of tired of hearing the, oh, you better watch out for Florida. 
No, LSU has dominated that series over the last decade. Um, so, and, and I do think that they take a step back. So when I look at it, for me personally, I see the first, let's just say, seven games, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, first seven games that LSU could be undefeated. Then LSU goes to Ole Miss. And I've said this religiously, and I'm going to continue to say it, they scared the bejesus out of me. I don't think defensively they can stop anything. I I was going to say something bad, but I'm not going to even say it. But they they couldn't stop a runny nose with all the Kleenex that COVID provided, okay? They they, they just can't, can't do it. But they can score. And they're going to go toe-to-toe with everybody. Matt Corral comes back. Lane Kiffin in his second year. They do get better on the offensive line. They do. Uh, Elijah Moore's out, but they always seem to produce these wide receivers. So I think that they're, that game just scares me more than anything. I actually got Ole Miss finishing third in the West, uh, which is going to piss a lot of A&M fans off. But DM me, bro. You know, like, I, <laughs> I, I, come on. I think a <laughs> as us Italians would say, I think that they're fugazis. Um, we'll see, but I think that they could get to nine to 10 wins. Um, you get into the Alabama game, then you get to Arkansas, then you get to A&M. So the back half of the schedule is a little tough, but is it really? Because look, the first seven games, I think that LSU could run the table. Then you have Ole Miss, then you have Alabama, then you have Arkansas, then you have ULM, then you have uh, ULM, then Texas A&M. So I think that it is a favorable uh, schedule this year for LSU because if you if you remember the LSU uh, Florida series flipped on the home home and away where you know they had to do the back to backs. Could you have imagined going to Kentucky then to Gainesville? That would have been really tough. Uh, but they don't have to do that, which is really good for LSU uh, in the schedule of the season. Yeah, I mean, right now I think I I, I don't think you're off point on A and M after that spring game. Not very – I don't know about that quarterback situation. They talked a lot about Haynes King, and I just – I don't know about I don't know about him. I got a lot of question marks. But, man, this 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 question I know the answer to because I've been to LSU games multiple times. My sister goes to LSU. My co-host lives in Baton Rouge. So I've been down there for Auburn games. I hate it. It's, it's hell on earth on game day if Auburn's playing there. But it's amazing when they're not. For those who haven't been yet, man, what makes Baton Rouge, Death Valley, such a unique environment on game days? The alcohol. I mean, let's just <laughs> let's just call it what it is. You know, I think the tailgating. And look, not only do you have players that want to get back out there and show that last year was was just it was what it was. Like it, it was something that's never happened before. I think the fans are going to show out, show up, and show out. Like there. I really believe for the UCLA game, for an example, there's going to be more LSU fans in the Rose Bowl against UCLA than there is any, like Californian anywhere. I think that they're going to pack that stadium. LSU fans want to get back out and tailgate. They want to get back out and have a good time, drink and do stuff like that. They want to get back in that stadium. I'm not going to say they're going to sell out until, you know, maybe, you know, maybe. I don't know what game they'd sell out because Alabama's not coming, you know, to Baton probably Rouge. Al- I would say Auburn, uh, maybe Auburn. Yeah, probably, probably Auburn or Florida. You know, yeah. one of those two. I think that they could sell out. That's a big home marquee games. Um, but I look. I, I think that it, it just makes it so much more interesting at a night game when everybody's been drinking. Look, it's a party down here, man. And so, personally, you know, I do the post game show from right here in the studio. 
So I don't get to go to the stadium. And, and, and I have a son, and he's growing up, and I'm thinking, you know, man, as much as we've all been through, as much as COVID has put us all through, I sit back and ask myself, is it time to, you know, do I want to bring my son? Do I want to go? You know, the the int- the last time I was in LSU Stadium was, again, or I say the last time because that's not true, but one of the last times, and, and this wasn't even a marquee game because I was at Auburn when that slugfest of Derrick Brown, like, sit down, Derrick Brown, please don't play against LSU, and you won't ever again, <laughs> but um, – I sit back and I remember that Georgia Southern game, and I remember the atmosphere. I remember the the temperature gauge uh, 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 from the press when you have to walk out, and I look at the temperature game, gauge, and it says 107. And I'm sitting there, and I look at Joe Burrow, and I see him slice up this Georgia Southern team, and I look at Joe Burrow, and he winks to uh, the media crowd over, and he goes, I told you. And because we're beginning of the season, he's telling everybody they're going to score 40, 50, 60 points. And he winks at the media and starts giggling like – I, I miss that kind of stuff. Um, so I, that's the the atmosphere, the want to, the want to be there, and you know the earthquake game against Auburn uh, are, are some things that 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 make LSU great. But the 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 Coonasses, the Cajun people, they want to be uh, uh, back in that stadium, and they'll they'll definitely have it soon. Absolutely, I, I, y'all get a bad rap. I've been to a lot of SEC stadiums. I think Georgia fans are easily way worse than LSU fans. I think Bama fans, way worse than LSU fans. We had a blast when we went down there. I was there for the Leonard Fournette um, eating everybody alive game. Um, for yeah. That haunts my dreams, watching the Auburn dude fly through the air over his back. And then I was there for the comeback in twenty in the 2018. So that was brutal as well. But, man, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. This was a blast. Love talking football, man. Where can they find you, man? I love your show. I know it's part of the Believe uh, uh, network, I, um, I'm pretty sure. So, man, where can they find everything like that? Yeah, Zach, I thank you guys for for having me on. Go to AYS Sports across the board on all social media platforms. We just got monetized and uh, over the thousand on YouTube, so I was kind of excited on that. I'm not a technological guy. I, you know, one day I just fired up a camera and started doing it, and they were like, "Well, you need to get the thousand subscribers on YouTube." I'm like, "I'm not doing that, Rudy Poo." And then people start talking to me about it, so I was pretty, you know, excited about that. Um, so Twitter, AYS Sports, Facebook, AYS Sports Network, and that's where they can find me. And, again, Zach, thank you for having me on. Absolutely, man. We'll definitely have to get you back on the show during the season. I'll be down Baton Rouge for the Auburn game this year, coming down there to go uh, with my sister. My co-host will be there, man. So we'll have to hit you up when we Absolutely. get down in town. Uh, but, man, guys, go check out Are You Serious Sports. Go check out Blake. Follow him on Twitter. Y'all know where to find us. Y'all know where to find the YouTube channel. Subscribe now. Thumbs up on the video, everything. We'll be back with South Carolina next, so make sure to check that out as well. But for Blake, myself, and the Blue Bloods guys, we are out.